We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And welcome back to another episode of the Golden Blogs podcast, The Bearcast. It was a eventful couple days, right? Yeah, nonstop. <laughs> the action doesn't stop. It does not. It really does not. I, is, I mean, not just on the football field, but off the football field, in our country. Like, it's been a crazy couple days. Um, but that's neither here nor there. We are here to talk about Cal football. Uh, usually we start off with a couple of top-of-the-line items, but... We don't have any top-of-the-line items just because everything's about game day. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the game day experience first, and then we'll head right into some of the actual games. So let's talk about – let's just talk about the stadium vibes. Let's talk about what it felt like being there. I mean, you and I have started this thing where every home game now we walk around the the field before, before the game. And uh, this one had a nice vibe to it. It was cool. I don't know. I'm not going to share what I was doing <laughs> on the field. <laughs> it was really fun. Um, we didn't quite accomplish our mission of seeing Sam Darnold up close in person, seeing how big he actually was. But we saw S- Stephen Carr up yeah. close, and he's going to be a thorn in our side for the next however many years he decides to stay here. And Devonta Downs is massive. <laughs> <laughs> All of our linebackers are massive, and DeRoyter has an inaccurate but pretty good arm. Desmond Bishop, way better arm. Way better <laughs> arm. Desmond's got a cannon. That was awesome. Yeah. It was great to see Desmond Bishop on the sideline. It was great to see a whole bunch of players mm. um, on the sideline. I know we didn't get to see him, but I know Kevin Riley was there wearing his Joe Roth jersey from his Joe Roth game. We which, thought we saw Longshore, but that it was It looked like incorrect. Longshore, but it, yeah, I don't think it was. I'm going to um, look up what Chase Lyman looks like and see if it was him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was, if it was Longshore, I would, I would be severely impressed. Tony Gonzalez was always, uh, was also there as well. Forgetting the big one. Um, also. You're forgetting the big one. Who, who's the big one? Thomas Deku. Thomas Deku, yes. Thomas Deku was there. My gym buddy, Thomas Deku, was there. <laughs> I see him, I see him in the mornings every, every once in a while when I'm there at the gym. Um, and also... Some other some other like non Cal guys were at the game too, which was pretty. Yeah, uh, that might have been Chase Lemon. Yeah, you might be right, but I mean we didn't get a real good look at his face just because he had sun. I think he did. He, did he have sunglasses on? He had a hat on. He had a hat and sunglasses on. So <clears throat> either or, I'm pretty sure it was one or the other. Um, but he gets no love. <laughs> no one said anything about it. Yeah, 
Oh man, it looked way more like Longshore. Right? That's what I thought too. I was like, that definitely looks like Longshore, but yeah, uh, that's what I was saying. It looked like Longshore, but hmm. we just we won't ever know unless we check with Cal Athletics, which I'm sure we could, and they probably will would tell us if he was there or not. Yeah. <laughs> but moving on from there, there were a couple others. Uh, there were a couple other pretty big name people that Colin Coward from FS1 was there. He was talking about how nice the the facilities were and talking about how there were there was sushi up in the. Up in up in the box, not in the press box, but like the I think the is it the university club that's the at the top? Yeah, the university club. You did some? Yeah, yeah, we did, we did. Um, uh, and then also uh, Ronnie Lott. What? Yeah, Ronnie Lott was there. I believe Ronnie went to SC, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I'm pretty sure that's why he was at the game, and I'm, I'm sure there were a lot more. They said on the. Um, if you watched on TV, they did a whole pan of like the celebrities or like the big name people that were there. So I haven't been able to go back and, and vet through that to see who else was. But um, if you do know, please let us know in the comments. Um, that would be really cool to see if there were more uh, people that were there. You're correct. Yeah, SC. I believe. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, and so, yeah, that's I think that's really cool to see some pretty big name people coming back. It's. For me, it's what? It's game three, right? But we've had consistently someone famous in terms of Cal Athletics at our games every week, which is really cool to see. Because in game one, we had uh, Jason Kidd, right? Game two, we had Zach Follett. Game three now, we had all these guys. and But the guy that was honored in the middle of the game was Thomas Deku. So they're bringing a lot of those 2007 you know, stalwarts guys back, which is really cool because it kind of gets the crowd amped. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of it. Uh, keep it going. Yeah. I love it. Bring Deshaun back. That'd be cool. Yeah. Seeing those guys. Um, Do I think, the Niners play the Bucks this year? I haven't checked the schedule. Hmm. Maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I think this is what I, this is a element that I missed from Sonny that, there was a there was a huge gap between his program that he was trying to run here and all of the previous guys under Tedford that had played through here. You know, you, you like you saw. My, I think Michael Kendricks was at a game um, during Sonny's regime. Like mm-hmm. he was yeah. in the student section and all. But other than that, like I don't remember as much like these guys coming back and us seeing them like on on the field. Like Marshawn, you know, last season is probably. One of the the bigger ones, but that was because of a, like a promotional deal, right? It was with the whole bobblehead. The well, Marshawn was pretty active with the team when they were in Australia too. Right. He did a good job with that. Yeah, I think he did a good job with that. But it's cool <clears> to <throat> see former players being honored mid game, every game, um, and guys that were amazing here. By the way, absolutely stunning. Is there? Let me ask you a, a random question. Then over the last ten years. Is there any player that you would like to see come back and give a little wave to the crowd mid-game? Yeah. Lavelle. Oh, wow. You know what? We were on the same wavelength of that. I was just about to say Hawkins. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Or Robert Jordan, too. Any of those trio of wide receivers from that 07 team, you know, that those, ah, that trio was so... I, I, to, my, to this day, I'll end with this, at least for me. To this day, that's my best wide receiver like group that I still love watching. I could rewatch those 07 tapes of just those wide receivers playing. So much fun. 
Hmm. But yes. I think them. actually Trevor Davis and Treggs and Chris Harper. Stephen Anderson. Stephen Anderson. Kenny Lawler. Might be, and Lawler might be actually Powell. better. Yeah. Which is crazy to think about. But, um, yeah, I was just going to say, if you bring out Hawkins, everybody's going to do the little hawk. The hawk, the hawk move. Yeah. So tight. That so, was a good. You remember that game? I, I remember that game. Lose, I think it was Louisiana Tech kickoff. First, mm. the kickoff of the game. Lavelle Hawkins back to receive. Returns it, I think, like, what, 101 yards or something like that for the touchdown. That was, I think you were in the student section too, right? Because I was in the student section. We, that student section was lit. Yeah, it was <laughs> awesome. Wow. Those are, those are some good times. There are signs of life of that at this game. Yes, definitely. Of course, you mentioned a couple of times you hadn't heard the stadium this loud in, in five-plus years. The Go Bears chant was <clears throat> absolutely chilling. Um, also, that new chant that they're trying to do, that like uh, that Icelandic Viking, you know, the skull. Do you know what I'm talking about? That nope. The Minnesota Vikings do it, but it was more made famous due to when Iceland, uh, I think, made it into the round of eight, I believe, in, in the Euros, um, where they, they clap and they go, oof, at the same time. But you do it in a very, like, you do it once, and then it's like a very slow wait, and then you do the second one, and then you you the... The timings get shorter and shorter and shorter. Gotcha. But they did that with the with Cal, right? They did that with the C, and then a long, oh. and then the A. You know, that's what and it was. Then yeah, L, I like and then that. it got faster and faster and faster. But once it got beyond the student section, and because we sit, you know, above the the nice seats, like the donor seats, and once the those alumni and all of those people started getting into it, I was like, this this could be a really cool chant if you get the entire entire stadium doing that. And it does that because the, the sound kind of flows into the stadium, too, the way Memorial's built. So if you got that going, it just the just the deep, like, C hitting and then the A and then the L. Like, I was like, this this could be one of those really big, like, scary chants if you're in opposition. Just hearing that type of, like, deep bellowing um, letter call out. But, yeah, uh, definitely one of, the, one of the better stadium atmospheres that we've been to in recent years. Yep. But it's still disappointing from a numbers perspective. Yeah. I believe the official numbers was at, what, 47? Yep. Somewhere in there. 47,000. Compared to the Stadium 30... 62, I think. Yeah, compared to the 39 or 38, I believe, which was the week before against uh, we- Weber State. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, uh, no, Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Sorry, Weber State was the first one. The old youngest along the young alumni section is the area that is actually of the biggest concern still. Yeah. It's just that doesn't fill out at all compared to how cheap those tickets are. Yeah, my yeah. dad got tickets day up $15. But the one thing I will say for the SC game, the ticket prices didn't drop like the old Miss game. The old Miss game dropped like flies. Morning of, you can get tickets for under 10 bucks. Uh, but the SC game throughout the entire week stayed at that 45 to 55, at least on the, sec- on the second-hand market. So I guess that just tells you just in-state, rival, you know, fans travel well. I think you called it out. It was about one-third SC fans. Yeah, they travel super well. <laughs> that they do. But, yeah, I wish – I don't know how you get more there if you have an undefeated Cal team playing the top five team in the country. I think you just got to show more, right? I mean, yes, but like, what? <laughs> I think I think you have to. Sh- yeah, I know. 
I think you have to show more with a consistency, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Is it needs at least for our fan base, it needs to be a lot more elongated in terms of the success. On the one hand, I look at it and I say, okay, forty seven thousand people is a lot of people. Yeah, it's it's you know, it's a lot. About seventeen thousand like Giants game. Fans. It's like a Giants game. Yeah. And um I mean, it's nothing to, like, be upset about. And you think about what Mike Williams was talking about with ticket sales. It, he's, he was right. We got to give Mike Williams credit. Um, for any negatives that may be out there for whatever reason, he saw this coming and made the right decision. <clears throat> Regardless if we lose every game this season, he made the right decision because we wouldn't have had that many people in the stadium. And so... It's great to get there, but I just wonder, is, like, is Washington State on Friday night going to be the draw? If not 3-0 and against SC, what other game is going to get you there? Arizona? Yeah, there's not a lot. Like Oregon State? Yeah. It's only going downhill from here. Yeah, it is. So that's a little bit of a bummer. I mean, theoretically, maybe if we beat Oregon, beat Washington, and we're ranked in the top 25 playing a top 25 team in Washington State... On Friday night, maybe you get people in there. Hell, we'd be the we'd be the favorite going to that Washington State game if we ended up beating Oregon in Austin and then Washington in Seattle. Right, but I mean, you have to go to like silly lengths yeah. in order to see how we fill the stadium up. But let me let me ask you this: Do you think Cal will ever sell out a football game? Did we used to? No, but I mean, like going forward, going forward, I think I think we will if we stay on this on this path. Let me ask you this way: because I don't know the I don't know the history. Because my first year of experiencing health football was the 2007 season. And those, those games were epic in terms of just the sheer amount of people. Yeah. You know, it was ridiculous. We couldn't even, I couldn't even get student tickets. Like, I had to buy out, you know, secondhand tickets and then sneak my way into the student section just because of how <laughs> difficult it was. Yeah. They used to um, get out wristbands because so many people wanted to be there. Exactly my point. So, so let me ask you this. Was, well, how big of a gap in terms of the attendance was there between 06 and 07? Oh, I don't know, because I was 06, I was in high school, and so I was, but I was on the East Coast. So okay. I was just watching every game from the East Coast. Do you remember any seasons prior to 07? Yeah, sure. Was there... I'm pr- pretty young, though. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, you're talking like, uh, like a high school and yeah. then younger. Yeah. Uh, my most vivid memory of a Cal game before that is SC and 03. in 03. And that game... I mean, that game was amazing. Yeah, of course. Uh, but I don't even... I couldn't tell you, like, how crowded... I just don't think I was really observing that. I think it was, like, 13. Yeah. Um, you were saw, just experiencing... Like, I saw a camp counselor I knew of yeah. mine. That was a counselor <laughs> of mine. So, you know, I I don't know. I mean, my, my most vivid Cal memories when I was young was just going to the stadium and sitting on the bus with a bunch of Stanford fans that were all chummy because they just beat Cal for the 8 millionth time in a row. Uh, and then it's kind of changed when we had Tedford involved and, you know, I can, 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 I can remember going to games when Marshawn was a freshman and remember those being crowded. So that would be 06 or 05 or earlier than that. No, so it'd like, be 05 or 04, 04, 04, 04 would be his freshman year. So yeah, those, those games were pretty crowded, but I just, I, I'm like you, I remember the game, uh, like the 07 games when you had the even warm up to the season that was packed with fans. They were just going to see the end of fall camp and like players like Deshaun was coming up, high fiving people walking back in the stadium. And then you had your opening game against Tennessee and it was as loud as I've ever heard it. And 
then you know that SE game that year, and then I think maybe a, sprinkling a couple of games in the Keenan era, and you have decent crowd size. But I don't know the last time we've sold out a game. Yeah, that's that. I think the 07 season, or probably maybe the even the 08 season, because some people just had hype, or just uh, you know, some there there were still some lingering effects from that 07 season where people still probably went. But yeah, it was definitely at least the noise wise was out of this world um, this past Saturday. And it's funny because there were a lot of SC fans, but a lot of the SC chants or anything weren't that very audible. Um, it was mostly their two songs that their band plays, but other than that, like they were pretty pretty quiet. I mean, we'll delve into the game, but the way the game was playing out, I don't think there was anything happy that the SC fans wanted to cheer about. So... So, dating back to 2004, mm-hmm. Cal's Memorial Stadium has hosted only eight sellouts in 38 home games. Dang. In the past two seasons, and this keep in mind, this was written in 2010 um, by Berkeleyum, by the way. Cal has sold out only one game. So, in 2008, 2000, so 2009-2010, we only sold out one game. So, if this was written in 2010, right? Number 12 ranked Cal team and Heisman candidate Javid Best took on Maryland. Yeah, at home. 62,000 fans showed up. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. But that was after we got demolished by Maryland the season before in Maryland. Yeah. So, yeah, and Javid that, that year, that was the. That was it's amazing what perspective 09. does, though. Yeah. Back this article was written in 2010, and yeah. they're complaining about 62,000, and we're sitting here being like, "We only have 47,000." Yeah, is the sport in decline? Yeah, I don't know. Very interesting. Yeah, I think the bigger numbers I think will come to play if once the Raiders leave. Once the Raiders leave, the the East Bay crowd that demands football every weekend. I wonder what happens there, especially if Wilcox starts to put out a product that gets people somewhat interested and somewhat hopeful of a win every weekend. So mm. I think that's where that's where it has to go. It has to draw back people t- and come to these games on Saturdays. We should honestly link. This is a great article yeah. that I'm reading. It's on our blog from we'll, 2010. We'll link it. We'll link we'll it. It talks about the average attendance in those seasons that you mentioned before is about 64,000. And then it talks about what drives actual fan attendance and saying that who we play matters most. But that's it. Who do we play that's better than SC this year at home? No. No one. No one. Is there anyone else that's good? No. Like, that I would be like, Washington State's good. Yeah. We have Washington State left. Arizona. Arizona Oregon and Oregon State. State. That's it. Oof. Yeah. Well, two of those would be victories, in my opinion. I think Surefire, Arizona, and... Oregon State. How bad is Arizona this year? Terrible. I know they were pretty bad. They're like. dumpster fire. <laughs> they're, them and Oregon State are legit playing for who is the worst in the Pac-12. <laughs> That's what they're playing for. We better not lose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's, let's move on from the, from the stadium vibes and on to just some, some game notes and some things about the game that happened. So before we delve into fully, let's just go over some generalities. Let's talk about first the Joe Roth jerseys. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful uniforms. 
I, I can't say that enough. Now, you own one. I do. Is it here? Not yet. Wow. Which is, so this is, this is the part that bugs me out, is they sold the Joe Roth, you know, the, um, the polos, right? They sold the Joe Roth, like, T-shirts, uh, the jersey T-shirts, and everything. Um, but they only sold a handful of the replica jerseys at the student store. But they had the premier one, which is the one I got, which is the stitched numbers, which is what I, uh, when I buy a jersey that I'm going to keep, I, w- I don't want the screen printed ones just because I know if I wash them or if they get a little older, like the, the, it'll start to peel off and, mm. and so on and so forth. So I'd ra- I'd, I like to get the stitched ones, um, but the stitched ones still haven't shipped and they, it says they won't ship till the 29th of September. So here's my deal about this. If you knew this game was happening this weekend... And you knew that people would buy this jersey. Why wouldn't you want these jerseys shipped out to those people so that they would wear it to the game? It's a Joe Roth Memorial game. And yet, I saw more people wearing the Nike Joe Roth jersey from 10 years ago than I did the new Under Armour ones. Mm. And is that a good marketing strategy? I don't think so. I think... If this is if this was your special edition for the year, you want that to be out in full force in the crowd. Were they selling it at the game? I didn't check the store. I, I'm sure they sold they sold the polos and stuff. <clears throat> but you and I walked around, and did you see a Joe Roth jersey, an Under Armour one, other than the ones the players were wearing? I can't say I was looking for it. <laughs> but but those, that that blue should be so easily spottable in in the crowd. True. I saw two guys wearing the Nike ones. Wow. From 10 years ago. That's crazy. So. Tells a lot about the purchasing cycle of jerseys. Exactly. So that's my only qualm about this. But other than that, the jerseys were amazing. The helmets looked so tight. uh, And it was just a really clean look. I mean, the guys got all white cleats, too, to go with the the high stirrup socks. And that was just, that was a really nice look. Yeah. I mean, just the response on Twitter from the former Cal players Mm -hmm. was Every single one was out there talking about how good the jerseys looked. Even people that weren't related to Cal at all were talking about how good they looked. Outside of the Colorado State jerseys, have you seen those? Yes. The, these are the best ones I've seen. This season. And that's good because I didn't really like the Joe Roth jerseys. No. And so. They did a yeah, real good job with this one. They're great. They did a real good job. Um, so. Apparently on air, what they said was that Cal would wear this every home game from this year on out against either SC or LA. Because, of course, we only get one of those schools visiting us every year, right? Right. So I think that's what's going to turn into the Joe Roth game. So next year, it'll be the UCLA game. That's the Joe Roth game. Cool. Hopefully that's not the game that happens after Thanksgiving like it always seems to. Uh, Yeah. It's on Black Friday. (laughs) This year. This year the UCLA game is... (laughs) Yeah, I just never am able to catch it because it's Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. It's the week after the Stanford game. That looks like a winnable game, too. Yep, real winnable. All of a sudden. Yeah. All right, so moving on from that, let's uh, just a couple more game notes, and then we'll delve into the game. Milky Stovall. We saw him warm up and dressed. We didn't think he was going to play. We thought maybe it was just they're just warming him up, keeping him on as... You know, a safety net because he did say he was redshirting. So as long as he doesn't play, right, a snap, 
he can he can warm up and suit up and sit there on the bench. So the real question is, he did he get in for a snap? He did. He was targeted twice. Mm-hmm. What does that say for you? Because this situ this I mean, from now on out, it's clear as day. He's playing every week. The question is, what happened up until now that it was like that? It was the whole, yeah, uh, Gors- uh, Ryan Gorsey reporting that he was in the doghouse, and then him reporting that I'm redshirting, and then one week later... <laughs> he said, she said... Yeah, and now he's playing. It's a real me- there was a real social media messy situation. <laughs> okay, so my train of thought, which I will admit I got from the comments <clears throat> from the game recap, was that... Perhaps uh, Demetrius is actually more significantly hurt than and we think. That Malkis was going to redshirt. I mean, like I feel like there's probably some shade of truth to each situation. Yeah, uh, Gorsi's probably accurate that yeah. he started off in the doghouse. We we also knew that he had injuries going like, into spring ball and fall mm-hmm. camp, so he wasn't getting the reps, which is why we. Thought that's the reason why he dropped in the depth chart, right? and then Melkis comes out and says, "I'm red shirting," and then, you know, obviously played. So yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a bad news situation more than anything, and he didn't look good. So no, he did not look game ready. Yeah, he at looked all. tiny, and uh, and then Bowers, the pass he did throw to him, the one that I remember, Bowers put the ball in a terrible spot. Well, and he was, it was on a, I believe, I think a fourth down play too, or a yeah. third down play. and fourth down play. Yeah, and he threw it, he threw it to Stovall, and even if Stovall had caught it, he would have been tackled <laughs> yeah. and he would have been three yards short of the first down. <laughs> Terrible decision. So. And the ball was behind him. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I sort of like, I like to believe that, but I, I mean, we these we guys are know. just so tight-lipped about this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, the injuries, I mean, it's crazy to go from how transparent it seemed like Sonny was. So you'd ask Sonny, he'd just be like, "Yep, he's got a, he's got a something, you know." Yeah, uh, he's got a little, you know, bruise on his thigh. He's yeah, it should be okay. Yeah. yeah, like he was just super open about it. Whereas it's like they won't tell you anything. Yeah. We don't even know what's going on, like Hudson or uh, Saffle or <laughs> any of these guys. It's just kind of like, whoa, whoa, okay. We just won't know until game day. <laughs> Every game day is when we find out whether guys are playing or not. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, the only I think the only times they'll tell you is probably when guys are coming back from injury that'll that'll play. Like Kanasich we heard earlier in the week, like, oh yeah, he he'll he'll be fine. He'll be ready to play by Saturday. Mm-hmm. But then like, yeah, we're not gonna say anything about Demetrius, like, you know, and then that was it. <laughs> that, that was that was it. And yet he's still listed at the top of the depth chart. So Wow. I mean, I understand it's frustrating for us as fans because we kinda wanna be in the know. But at the same time if that's how coach is playing it, like that's just a little bit of gamesmanship. Because if you know, like this week, Demetrius didn't play, but by saying that, did SC waste time prepping for Demetrius? Probably, you know. And on the flip side, let's say they didn't prep for Demetrius and he decided to play, they're in a hole now because <laughs> they got to make those adjustments. So it's just it's it's a little bit of that pros and cons thing. Yeah. But for us us as fans, like it sucks either way. Yeah. <laughs> true. Yeah, true. All right, let's move on. Uh, let's let's talk about the game for a little bit. Oh boy. Um, so Cal at Memorial Stadium, twelve thirty kickoff on ABC primetime. Not even cable. This is just straight up ABC network across America. 
12.30 wearing those beautiful Joe Roth jerseys on a beautiful, beautiful day, right? There, it, was, it was an amazing day for football. It wasn't that hot in terms of temperature. Sun was out bright. I'm pretty sure the people out in the stadium got burnt to a crisp, but, you know, it was still great sunshine. <laughs> um, Cal undefeated, SC undefeated, and Cal loses 30-20. to 20. Um you want to talk about your general thoughts about the game and how it went first? Yeah. I thought we outplayed USC for a half. For a half? Maybe even three quarters. I think three quarters. Yeah, we played so well. Um, it really did have that feel of an upset. And the only thing that kept me from having more enthusiasm as we were going through the game was the fact that our passing game was clearly struggling and it wasn't in the fourth quarter it was from the very beginning of the game Mm -hmm. the passing offense was not clicking and so it felt like we had had these chances and we just weren't capitalizing on them but we were still in it and so I think everyone was just happy to be in it and maybe lost sight of the fact that we should have been winning um but that I mean it's all right. It's just kind of hard to readjust your expectations when it's you realize you sit back and you're like, okay, it's year one. It's year one. It's year one. And you're like, wait, no, like we're outplaying SC right now. Like, come on, let's take advantage of the moment. And, and you're like, no, 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 hold on. Like, <laughs> like it's Ross Bowers and uh, we haven't seen him at all except for three games and he's that zero game experience. And then on top of it, we have. You know, running. We've lost our best running back, and we have lost our best wide receiver, and we don't have our, you know, what should be our starting D end. So, yeah, it's easy. It's easy to flip flop between sort of saying like that was our game, and versus, you know, okay, I'll take it. Three quarters hanging in there, and an implosion, and that's going to happen year one. Just sort of being okay with it, but I thought the game like itself was exciting. It was fun. Uh, it was on ABC. Apparently, the announcers were terrible. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't bother to listen to the announcers. No. So thank you to all the commenters who pointed that out because I didn't waste any time listening to them in, in the rewatch. Um, but as far as like demonstrating to a recruit as to what is going on at Cal and why making the argument as to why Cal, I thought you. It was hard to have a better atmosphere and a better day in which to kind of celebrate the Bay Area and celebrate Cal football. And you're right. After this year, there is no other team in the Bay in the East Bay. Cal is it. Whether you like the Raiders, too bad. They're going to Vegas. So you got the Bears. Welcome to the life. It's not an easy life, but it's a life. It is something to do on Saturdays. <laughs> It's fun. Just the vibe on campus is it's a good time. But what about you? What do you think? I think you you hit it spot on. It was that transition between God, we had this to wait a second, we weren't even supposed to be in this game. And I think that's what I had that's what I struggled with the most. It was that constant that entire night watching other Pac-12 games was this constant fight in inside of me between should I have higher expectations for this particular team or should I just kill all of it at all? Like just all of my expectation and just ride this team out because that's, that's how it was. That's through the first three quarters at the end of the third, 
you and I were pretty much thinking the same thing. This is doable. This could happen today is the thought we both had. And it clearly looked like it could be that. We just needed one or two things to fall our way in the fourth quarter, and it did. Except it didn't fall one or two ways in our, <laughs> in our way. It fell six ways to SC, which is why we lost. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I, 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 everyone who's, who came up to me on Sunday um, and I talked to on Sunday and they were asking me, how do you feel about the game? How do you feel about it? And I said, I'm fine with it. I, this is this is the first time in a while where I'm okay with the loss. I'm not angry at anybody. Um, like people are like, oh yeah, Ross sucked, so on. You, it's a first first year starter. We had growing pains with Goff too. Are you gonna are you gonna say we should have switched Goff out? Which we did during the Oregon game during that monsoon. But that's also because Jared couldn't hold on to the damn ball <laughs> and he's fumbling it left and right. This. We're not going to switch Ross Bowers out in the fourth quarter for throwing those interceptions. If he had thrown four in the first quarter, then maybe, yeah. But if that wasn't the issue, then you, of course you're not you're not going to change your quarterback. Nor should you with the first year. You're going to shoot his confidence. <laughs> you're going to shoot his confidence to the, his grave is what you're going to do if you if you switch him out there. Um, but yeah, I it's it was a it was a cathartic loss. By the time Sunday morning rolled around, I was like, you know what that. This, I think Ben said it best. Ben Ben Weiss on Twitter, who's a friend of mine, he said, is this what hope feels like during the <laughs> game? And this is what it is. This is what hope feels like. This is, this is how hope should feel. We're going to get to that point where we're going to get an SC loss or, you know, any of these losses, but damn it, we should not have lost that game. Yeah. Right? But w- this team's not, this program is not at that level yet. This program is more at the, holy crap, like we could have done it, and the future is there. The potential yeah. is there. Um, so that's what that's that's what gave me more. I think, I guess Zen <laughs> in the in the whole loss was it's just we can get we are we're getting better and we're going to get better. Um, I think just to wrap up my thought about the game as a whole, you look at any of the games we've played so far this season. Maybe maybe not the Weaver State one, um, but you look at any of those games and any recruit walks in through our doors, you show them any game tape. That there's that's there's enough to say we're building something good here. There's enough on those tapes to say, look, this is what you can be a part of. This is what we're trying to do here, and this is the type of athletes that we need to come in if we want to be able to win here in terms of at least the football side, right? So, I think it's it's a good building block. It's a huge, huge good building block. And then, you know, that goes the same for the basketball team too, I think. That's what needs to happen this year. We're not going to see the wins for basketball, but we need to show enough on tape where people, where we can finally show other recruits and say, this is what we're trying to do. This is the system we're trying to run. This is why we need you. Yeah. So it's cool. It's cool. I mean, we can't talk about it just because it's a lot behind paywall, but of the amount of recruits that are, you know, visiting our, the games. You know, the Ole Miss game or even the um, the SC game, too. You can probably find it all on Twitter, but we won't go into the names. But it's it's impressive to see guys there enjoying themselves at these games, you know, taking pictures, saying go, hashtag Go Bears, and just yeah. that, that recruiting hype is back. And it's not even just football. 
Yeah, it's not. There's a swimming recruit. Yeah. And a baseball recruit. Mm -hmm. Football recruits. Yeah. And it's just a wide variety of people down there. Yeah. So I think that's it's really cool to see, to use other mainstream sports as a venue to recruit your other sports is, I think, always a huge benefit, right? Because there are going to be students going to these games just as much as they play baseball or they play tennis or they play basketball. Yeah. So. All right. Um, you know what? Let me just give you a couple stats before we go into our our uh, players of and our people of the game. So Cal had... This is, this is why you and I got so frustrated during this game, is the statistically, other than the turnovers, it was pretty much dead even. Cal had 21 first downs, SC had 22. Um, Cal had nine passing t- first downs, USC had eight. Um, and then they had, USC had 14 penalties, we only had 10, right? Um, and then we move on from there. We go to, let's see, uh, yards... Yards gained rushing. They had 151. We had 144, right? But we also had five less attempts. And our, so our per rush average was 3.4 compared to their 3.5. And in terms of passing, we actually passed for more yards, 303 to two, their 223. Darnold, well, garbage time for us, though. Yeah. Darnold only had two touchdowns <clears throat> and one interception. We had one touchdown but four interceptions. But you look at our per completion average – they're 8.6, we're 13.8. So we were eating up yards. It's just we couldn't do much after we ate up a little bit. Like we did like we need like 40, 50. It's misleading. Yeah. The stats are misleading though. Yeah. The, the stats are misleading for two reasons. One, on the SC side, yes, Darnold only had two touchdowns, but they didn't play for the last nine minutes of the football game. True. So... It's really hard to say to look at the end stats. I mean, it, I think it's actually just more interesting to look at it from just through three quarters. Yeah, and that's where it's at. And the same goes for us. Like, yeah, okay, you had thirteen yards per completion. Uh, how much of that came on that last drive where SC put in their second defense yeah. and played prevent? <laughs> like. Yeah. Uh, and then VC got off with a, as one of my buddies said, WWE style shove off yeah. for that touchdown. So, I mean, yeah, the stats kind of, it's good to look at them, but at the same time, I think they kind of lean our way. And then even the score, like the score, did, it just is too bad. I mean, it seemed like it you just snapped your fingers and it, was it went 30, from 13 all to, yeah, 30-13. And it had a lot to do with the turnovers. Uh, and But it more so than that, it was just frustrating watching that passing offense. I mean, incredibly frustrating. I was just in the box, sorry, in the press box, just like pulling out my hair, being like, what are we doing with these passes? It doesn't make any sense. Like, a lot of people are saying, oh, SC's really good at getting in passing lanes and tipping balls. Fine. Give them all the credit in the world. They're not that damn good. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> nobody is that damn good. The quarterback is putting the ball too low and is selling out his routes. So people are able to read that and they're able to get a hand on the ball. There's just no way. A, like, we just didn't see it from Goff. We don't see that from Davis, like Webb. And then you see it here. So there's something going on here that's greater than the turnovers that I think we all kind of turned a blind eye to during that game. We're like, oh, this game going really well. It's really close. 
statistically, it's neck and neck, and we were that's where we were the third the third quarter. But SC made some really nice adjustments on defense, forced us into passing situations, which they should have done way earlier, and we handed them the ball. Yeah, say a little wave to Clancy Pendergast, our former DC. Yeah, he did a good job. Yeah, he made a good fourth quarter adjustment. Yeah, he made the adjustments to stack the box, and that forced us to pass because our run game was pretty outstanding. Um, going into the fourth, and then, yeah, and then it all imploded from there. Um, I got two questions to ask you. Is the first one is, do you did you have any issue with the play calling, defensively or offensively? None, no, zero. Right. Yeah, I think I was there too. I just I just heard a couple comments on Twitter saying that the play calling was stupid and so on and so forth, and I I just didn't see it. Keep in mind, we have the perspective of having to deal with the Dykes play calling. And if you had been in that game last year, and this game last year, yeah. Sonny, instead of going for it in all those fourth down situations, would have been punting the ball and playing the field, the field, like literally pooch field position too. game. Pooch yeah, Not pooch even punting it and then kicking field goals in touchdown situations. So, I mean, it's hard for us to sit there and be like, play calling was the issue. And it was hard for me when at the time in the game in which the frustration came, it was very clear that SE was keen down on our running attack yep. and forcing us to pass. And then eventually when we were down 10, it became much more of a passing situation. And so we went to the pass. And so I'm not going to sit here and say, go to the run. Uh, it would have been nice if, but like, I don't know. We, we went with what the defense showed us is what we did. Which is which is the orthodox way to play the sport is they're not, they're not like Washington's defense they're not disguising anything what they show is what you're going to get so if they're stacking more than seven into the box they're going to come at you and they're going to try and stop all the gaps so what you what do you do you do quick passes to the outside but if but if those D ends are rushing our linemen are outside and blowing up guys like Patrick Laird when like Rector is like six eight, I believe, or something like that, or six six. <laughs> you know, and Patrick Laird's sitting there at six foot. Like he's gonna get blown up, and he's gonna get hit. Uh, but if we don't get those balls out faster, you know, like it's it's just not gonna work. But that's the right play call to go to. That's the way you beat that defense that's coming at you. Um, you said it in the booth. It was an execution issue. It wasn't a process issue. Yeah. So one question to follow up on that to end this segment and go on to our players of the game is what do you think was the turning point at this game? 13-13 going into the fourth quarter, it looked all dandy. If there's a couple of turning points you can pinpoint, or are there any? Okay. The most obvious one that everyone will point to and talk about is the layer drop. Yep. Everyone. And the, actually, more people are pointing the the field goal, too. Yeah. Saying that Matt missed Anderson field missed field goal. The drop was devastating. Um, but I had more of an issue with... Uh, I thought we should have... What was it? Where was it? We got the ball down, I think it was right before halftime. And we had a completion on the outside of VC, then to Noah, then to Noah, who got the ball to the four. Yes. SC reviewed the play and it went from a first down oh, to, to a third down. Third down. 
And we gave the ball to Vic. Vic didn't convert it. And then we had fourth down. And because it was fourth down and not second down, we ended up deciding to kick the field goal take to go points. and take the points and go into halftime tied. That's a big play right there. You go in the you go into half ahead. Um, versus with, tied. Yeah, versus tied. Like SC comes out, maybe there's a little bit more skirmish on offense, and yeah, you get one of those pick plays that ends up, you know, putting Cal in a good position. I mean, look at what happened to Bowers. Bowers started freaking out because he started, in my opinion, he just kind of felt some of the game pressure more and more. And I think that in compounding with the fact that he wasn't really putting balls in the right place for most of the day ended up haunting him. And if you look at that downfield throw and he even said it, he's like, yeah, I shouldn't have thrown that ball. Yeah, he tried. He said in the post-game conference that he tried to make something out of nothing there. And that's the one throw he wished he had back. Try to be a hero. Yeah. Put that pressure on SC. Everyone says, oh, Darnold is the darling of college football. He always comes through in the clutch. Well, we, we didn't really make him. No. So I think uh, that was one of the bigger plays of the game. And then, yeah, the missed field goal. But missed field goals are going to happen. It's coach football. Yeah. Like, Matt Anderson's been a blessing for us. But, you guys, like, we've been celebrating Giorgio, and he's one of the best human beings in the world. But we all had our own issues with the consistency of the kicking game when we were in college. Yeah. And we had it when we had uh, Vic, and we had it when, you know, we've had it for many years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's college football. It's not the NFL. So, yeah, yeah I just sort of was like, okay, yeah, you that's... don't get the points. That's fine. And then it hurt, yeah, because they went up 16-13, and then they scored again. But the biggest thing that was killing us then was not the fact that we missed a field goal. It was the fact that our quarterback kept passing it directly to the other, to the other team. Yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. That would be my synopsis. It's death by a thousand cuts. It's not just one thing. Yeah. Pretty much on point. I don't have much to say to that. So we're moving on. Our awards for this game. Oof. Offensive MVP? Mm, Noah. Mm. Mm. He's so good. <laughs> but hopefully nobody else listens to this. So he's not actually that good, <laughs> Oregon. Don't pay any attention to him. <laughs> Yeah. He was added to He's the so Polynesian College Player of the Year award today. Yeah. So that's really cool to see. Oh, uh, you? You know what? I'm gonna look at the I'm gonna look at the quickie stats for a second and uh, You're gonna cheat? Yeah. I mean you pick Noah, so I don't want to go with the same player. I'm gonna have to go with Patrick Laird. I'm just because of what he's doing right now. The consistency that he has shown over the last couple weeks is pretty insane. We said this is just player of the game? Yeah, just offensive MVP. Oh, this is offense only. Yeah, offense okay. only. Offense only. Um, 82, lo- 82 so look at this. 82 yards gained, zero yards lost on 15 carries, right? His longest was for 20. Oh, wow. He had a much better average than I thought he did. 5.5, yeah, right? It's crazy because you look at our run game, and this is why we were mad, is because like Vic had eight carries for 44 yards. His longest was 23. He had an average of 5.5 as well. But you look at SC's, Stephen Carr had 86 yards on 20 carries, only averaged 4.1, and his longest was 13. The issue with Vic doing quick off the top math too, though, with once again with these statistics. It's like Exactly, because that would be he would have had seven carries for, for 20. 21 yards. Yeah. Garbage. Yeah. But we only it. we only gave him the ball in those like we needed him to get the one or two yards. And that's, yeah. that's what he played we well. He played one of his better games. Yeah. But Patrick Laird, once again, 
is my offensive MVP just because he's doing he's uh, there's a lot of times where he's making something out of nothing where he's supposed to run up the middle and then there's nothing there so he just bounces it outside and all of a sudden gets us 15 yards um, so it was just another one of those days at the office for Laird um, just this this not breaking off like you know 40 yard touchdown runs or anything like that which he which he's shown he can do uh, but eating up the constant, you know, first down, get like, you know, four or five yards for us or make it second and five or second and four um, and making those those uh, first downs more manageable um, down the stretch. So Yeah, Dude, that's spot on. I mean, I think he did that all game long. Did. There was that one play where uh, we came out and I can't remember if it was the first drive of the second half or the last drive of the first half. Yeah. And the offense came out and was sputtering again. Yeah. It was like Bowers threw a ball behind Noah, and yeah. it was like, well, we're on our way to another three and out. Yeah. And then Laird just like beasted, got hit in the backfield and ran for like eight yards and got us in short third and short. We converted, and then we had a big play, and then all of a sudden we were moving again. Yeah. And, yeah, he consistently put us in the position to you know go for all of those fourth down conversions. I dare say our running back core actually might be better next year because we do have Laird for one more year and we have Watson back for another year. So that two-back system, if you run a two-back system with Bowers in the middle and you have Laird to the left and Watson to the right, that's a matchup headache for the defense too. What was Trey's official injury? Uh, Not Undisclosed. Disclosed. <laughs> Surprised? Why, why do I even ask? Why do you even ask? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> All right, we'll go to defensive MVP. Dude, okay, can I just... <laughs> I would choose somebody in the secondary. Um, You know, you could use anyone. I don't want to take any of your picks. I'm just going to say blanket. The secondary played very well. Okay. So Quentin Tartarbull, Cameron Bynum, Jalen Hawkins. Yeah, it's more like Hicks. Yeah, I thought Hawkins had a hell of a game. I thought both I thought Chris Hawkins on USC actually it was pretty yeah, good too. Chris Hawkins pretty good. Um, Josh Drayden. Yeah, Drayden was awesome. But instead of that, I'm going with my same player from last <laughs> week, Alex Funches. First series of the game. What does he do? Comes out on a big third down play and sacks Sam Darnold. The only sack of the day. Dude, he's fast. He's elusive. And yeah, it might only be one play of the game, but I don't care. Like he is fun to watch because once you get that one sack early in the game that puts a spotlight on him for the rest and remember this is this is what we talked about last week after the old miss game was look at this we shea patterson is probably going to be the fastest quarterback we'll ever face this year in terms of just foot speed or throwing speed <laughs> or throwing speed too um Darts. and yeah we got to darnold and got him out of the pocket a crap ton of times. Mm-hmm. It's just, he's just really good at keeping his eyes downfield and moving his feet at the same time, which is why the defense, the defense just can't all just come down on him. Um, and such good pocket presence. Such I mean, good. better pocket than I think maybe we give Bowers in it, supremely better pocket presence. You know, like steps up, feels the pressure, knows, has much better sense of the timing of yeah. it, and then when he sees space, moves into it. Yeah, but his, his throwing was very pedestrian. In my yeah, opinion. he missed a couple wide-open yeah. guys. Yeah. He should have had three touchdowns at yeah. least. So, yeah, so definitely. Definitely to that point, yeah, I think 
I think the, the, the whole sack and QB pressuring thing, I think, is going to be uh, very good consistently this year. We're not going to be frustrated about that. God, if you take the entire secondary and Alex Funches, <laughs> man, what? I mean, you leave me with no choice but to talk about the middle linebackers, right? You, Devontae Downs and Raymond Davidson, once again, top two in tackles. Devontae had 14. Raymond Davidson had seven. Dude, Devontae, uh, Devontae so six assisted, eight solo, a half tackle for loss, and one QB hurry. So yeah. no forced fumbles or interceptions today. But did you know Devontae Downs is rated, or statistically, I put this out on Twitter too, but I'm just going to say it, is statistically in the top 20 for every defensive category other than tackles for loss. Okay, He's in the top 20 for every defensive category Except for tackles for loss. Oh, oh, sorry. Tackles for loss, top 30. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he's, he's incredible. Um, at, <laughs> I think it's pretty easy to say. If the season ended today, he'd be the defensive player of the year. I'd be hard-pressed to find another middle linebacker good, that good in, this, in the country right now. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I think he's the best middle linebacker in the country. And then no, no homerism involved <laughs> whatsoever. Totally um, objective. Totally and objective. Biased. Totally objective. I'd, I'd, but honestly speaking, I'd have to go back and look at the stats and see if there's any other guys that are in that range, which I'm sure there is just because, you know, of the sheer amount of players there are and the sheer amount of games that are being played. But as it stands right now, I mean, there's, I don't, at least in the Pac 12, there's not another middle linebacker. Peyton, uh, Peyton Pular, the, the middle linebacker for, uh, for Washington State, that just broke his foot and is out for the year. He probably might have been, I think, the other guy. But as of right now, I I don't think there's a better like all around middle linebacker than Devontae Downs. Blitzes, coverage, spying, man, zone, you name it. Um, he's outstanding. Pass game, run game, simply amazing. And it's it's sad. You know why it's sad? Because we only get to see one year of Devontae in this. He's a senior? Yeah. Man. And we talked about this on the way down, too, from the stadium, is how much we're going to lose on the defensive end. But that'll we'll talk about that at a, in a future pod, just because of the sh- Yeah, we're going to lose a lot of pieces. All right, so that's defensive. Uh, unsung hero. You got one? Mm-mm. Unsung hero. Yeah. Feel free if you have one off the top of your head to go first. Let me think a little about it. For me, um, unsung hero, Vic Warden, I think. For me, it has to be Vic, just because he he was relentless out there in terms of running his routes and trying to keep the defense honest and stretching them. There were, I mean, we... They asked him at the, the post game. They asked Vic, and they also asked Ross about a couple of those long passes that if they had connected, what what could have been. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Vic Warden said it best. He said, you know, as a wide receiver, if the ball touches my hands, I feel like that needs to be a completion. And if that's the mentality he's going out with on every play, if a ball's thrown to him and he can get a hand on it, if he feels like he needs to, or if, if he knows that that's the catch he needs to make, regardless of how difficult it is, um, some of those plays are going to start to fall his way if he's playing that hard for those balls every time. And uh, the little fun part that he said at the press conference was when he said, uh, i got to start making those Chad Hansen-type catches 
And I was like, well, I guess he's he's having fun. You know, he's he's playing a little playful. But yeah, he's with no um, with no D Rob and not and a not healthy Malkis Stovall. At least from what we're seeing, he's our biggest deep threat. And for him to constantly go out there, even though our quarterback's struggling and running those deep routes left and right, left and right, and getting pushed around, I mean, all the credit goes to him playing his part. All right. I'll go with, uh, I'll go with James Looney for that mm-hmm. fourth down stop Oof. that he combined with... Travion Beck. Yeah, Travion Beck. I think there's one more, but I just can't get to the, the, the last one. There was, I think there was three on that, but yeah. Yeah. I like Looney a lot. He was so good last year, and he was all by himself. And now he's got help. And uh, you're starting to see, like, he has an impact on there, but it, it just doesn't, it's not as visible because he's not the only one. Mm-hmm. And so I think he's one of those people that deserves more credit than perhaps he's gotten in the first three games, four games. Yeah, because he's not, not going to get the stats anymore because he's coming off the edge, which means... Well, maybe he might get a couple of those, like, you know, QB hurries or things, but he's not going to be getting a lot of those tackles and, like, mounting up the the number of tackles because he's just going to be eating up space. He's going to be eating he comes up with like, that. I thought he was in the middle. No, I mean, the, he's listed as a defensive end. Oh. So, in a 3-4, you know. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. Um, two more awards. Surprise player. Anyone you were surprised with? I I know, I I know mine. I was surprised how fast Zion Eccles is, <laughs> but he didn't look good. Yeah. Um, uh, that I guess that was my surprise is the the guys that played that we didn't think would play, the Zion Eccles, the Derek Clark's, the Milky Stovalls, Jeremiah the, the Hawkins. Jeremiah Hawkinses, um, and those guys look pretty good. Yeah, um, let's do surprise player game. Uh, Ashton Davis. Mm. That kick return was nice. Mm-hmm. Took, that was a big play. Yeah. Shorting up the field. I think we started on our 40 on that one. Yeah. That was cool. Haven't seen an exciting play on special teams in a long time from us. We're a pretty boring special teams team for the last few years. Yeah, we're we're uh, fair catching a lot on yeah. punts. Yeah. So. That's okay. I'd rather, like, not be the team that, you know, yeah, tries to catch too many. And muffs <laughs> it, yeah. I'd be much, we'd be talking a lot more about that. Be like, oh, that muff punt. Yeah. You know, like, be the team that doesn't make the mistakes. That's fine. Yeah, I'm fine with that, too. All right. Um, I guess the last one is our bounce back player next week. Who do you think is going to bounce back and have a great game next week? Well, I think hopefully it's Bowers. Um, and hopefully he rallies and we get to see what he's made of. I have very serious questions about him long term. I don't think I'll record them now to save face, but uh, <laughs> no. I just didn't. I just didn't see it. And uh, Ole Miss defense is pretty bad, and we looked super pedestrian against their defense. Um, so, yeah, there's some serious concerns there. Oregon's defense is not very good, no. so our offense should be able to capitalize on it with or without Demetrius Robertson. I think Vic, as you said, Vic Warden's talented. He's making the right plays. He's getting. He doesn't get that much separation. Like Chad got a lot more separation, or some of the faster guys we've had. Like, um, like Kenny didn't get all that much separation, but he just had great hands. Davis did. But Davis, yeah. So Davis would always have separation, but we would never really seem to like. Uh, or with with Bowers right now is like he's Vic is has a guy on him, but if he puts the ball on the back shoulder instead of over the front shoulder, 
then it's a completion versus pass breakup. Yeah. Or it's the ball that he threw to the end zone and threw 8 million feet in the air and, you know, way out, like, and Vic did such a good job about, like, getting there. Like, just getting there was impressive. But then it's not a catchable ball. And so I think you have the talent at wide receiver. We keep saying, oh, no, they don't have the pieces. Dude, Noah is a beast. Some of the catches he made, ridiculous this week. So you have the talent there to be able to be successful. You have an Oregon defense that isn't very good and just lost to Arizona State. So come in, get your confidence back, and get right in this game, and go into Washington on a high and prove you know, prove me entirely wrong. That'd be great. Um, or just erase my memory of USC. For me, since you went with Ross Bowers, I'm going to go with Milky Stovall. I think if, if D-Rob's still not available, like we expect him not to be, at least that's what we're expecting, um, then I think it has to be Stovall stepping up. He's the, he's the elder statesman <laughs> as a sophomore out of that receiving core just because of the sheer amount of snaps he saw last year. And if he is there and he's able to take advantage of playing in the slot and getting those underneath routes, he's all of us can attest he can make plays. He can take a three-yard down and in into a 13-yard gain. Like, he can make a quick slant into a 40-yard touchdown. Like, he's one of those guys. And so I really believe that if we just can, if he can get into game shape by Saturday, it'll be very, very interesting to see how we work him into the offense. And um, yeah, it's it's going to be very key going forward, especially if we don't have D Rob. Um, and it's weird because we're all expect we all expected this offense to be just firing on all cylinders as the season started because we realized hey all our wide receivers and our running backs and our own line pretty experienced the only key is that quarterback but if the wide receivers and everyone else is as talented as we expect they'll make the plays and help the quarterback out but clearly that hasn't been the case and we've been hit with the injury bug as well so look to look to see Stovall get a little bit more game shape um, and maybe we see Hudson. I mean, it is four four games, now game five into the season. I figured if we saw him at any point, I thought it would be probably by midseason. So mm-hmm. this might be around the time where we start to see Hudson come up, come back a little bit, and that That'd would be, be cool. huge. Yeah, huge. So we finally get to see the tight end spot utilized as it should be. Yeah, we haven't used yeah. it at all. I think Reinwald has, what, two catches on three targets yeah. we targeted the last him, two games? We targeted him this game, but they were bad throws. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it. That pretty much wraps it up. Do you have any more thoughts about the SC game? No? Are you ready for next year's SC game? <laughs> yeah, I think we should go. That'd be a blast. I think going down to L.A. for that one I think would be, really, yeah. be a really good one. Really fun. Yeah, really good one. Sit in the stands, run on the field. Exactly. Please, let's steal something. Remember, next four years we're beating SC. It's, it's happening. It's happening. Four years? Sometime in the next four years. You, th- you say four. I think two Next two. <laughs> I'm sticking with the four. I'm sticking with the two. <laughs> Give us some time. <laughs> Maybe we'll go to the Pac-12 Championship game, the game this year. and We play SC again. Yeah. Someone's, someone's, been, someone's already been tweet, tweeting Travion that, too. Yeah. did that. Yeah, we'll see. That. Um, Otavio on Twitter, too, was... Uh, or, I guess we'll end on this note. Kyle Bonagura on ESPN says that we're making a bowl game this year. We're playing in the Foster Farms Bowl, which is at Levi's. 
or playing Northwestern. <laughs> so, um, yeah, what a match return up. of the fits. Oh God! <laughs> so much trickery. Oh my God! The bloggers, the bloggers didn't say anything. The bloggers. <laughs> some funny, some funny tweet I saw underneath that was someone saying. Oh, we should run out Rubinger as the starting quarterback just for <laughs> the starting play. See what he says. Oh, oh boy, yeah. But that wraps it up for us for our SC uh, talk. There's not a lot of basketball or other recruiting news to talk about, but we'll get into that as we get news. Um, you can find my stuff at Twitter at Rob11HWNG. You can find Andy at Andy J Beast Mode. You can find our stuff at CaliforniaGoldenBlocks.com. Please subscribe, like, share us on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Um, and as always, go Bears. Go Bears. You knew it! Why? You tell the story! Why? You tell the whole damn world! This is me!